My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, S.A. Grant. He sells education, consulting, and done-for-you services for branding, growth, digital marketing, and podcasting strategies. He's also the host of the Boss Uncaged podcast. Welcome to the show, S.A. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcasts, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Well, um, I, I'll just cut to, cut to the chase. My story essentially is, I would say, is a halfway mark where I almost ended dying and I had a stroke because I was working myself to death um, in that process. You know, I was learning different systems, wearing multiple different hats. And when I woke up out of that stroke and, you know, I actually made it and I was still alive at the time, my um, girlfriend, who is my wife now, was looking at me and saying, like, what am I going to do moving forward? How am I going to do something different? Why don't I start branding myself the way I've been branding everyone else for the past 15, 16, 17 years? And it's like, well, you know what? You made a really solid point. So then I married her. And then obviously that was the journey of me converting from being a behind the scenes type of guy to in front of the camera and using that as leverage to become my lead magnet. So which one did you feel, I guess, was more stressful? Do you think that the, the path that you went on ended up helping you both, you know, in help with your health and with your life? Or are there ever moments where you wish that you could go back to what you were doing before? Um, I took pieces of what I was doing before. I was I was on some like building like a giant empire, you know, like I had my series six, I had my insurance license, I had a travel agency license, and I was also doing digital agency stuff all at the same time. And I was building my insurance agency. So I was literally segmenting my efforts across the board in multiple different disciplines in, in mm-hmm. like a 10 year span. So my goal was, okay, in 20 years, all of these, diff- I'm going to be able to drill down deeply and grow all of them. But obviously the human body can only take so much for so long before it gives out. So of course, what keeps you motivated? Um, for me, like, you know, when, when I look back at it and being that I saw death in his face and I was like, okay, if I was to die at that moment, what was I leaving behind? And not just, not, not just for my kids, but like what legacy was I leaving behind? Was there opportunity in my business? Yes. Was there money? Yes. But I was not leaving behind the breadcrumbs for an individual to pick up where I left off or understand the processes and understand what I was doing, why I was doing it, and then to take off where I left off. So that was the big change for me. And that's where I'm at right now. Hence why I'm more on the education of what I'm doing and I'm leaving these breadcrumbs through my podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew back when you started that you know now? Um, I would say automation. Automation, I, I look at, like, you know, it's kind of one of those things, that, like I'm a tech guy, but I've always ignored being a tech guy. So once I started embracing technology as being like my, my right-hand man, second to only my employees, and I was like, okay, that's like that's the tool that most entrepreneurs they, they they're scared of. They don't really understand, and they're scared of mm-hmm. losing opportunities. But in reality, automation could make you, you know, multiply what you're doing a lot faster, a lot quicker, and a lot more efficiently. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite type of clientele to work with? Wow, I mean, it's it's, it's debatable, right? Because I mean, I've had multiple different um, opportunities, but I would say. Mm-hmm. 
right now it's a software founder because that's the state of mind that I'm in, right? I mean, obviously I'm interviewing founders left and right and I love hearing their journeys. I love hearing their stories. And it's not only that they get technology, but they also get business equally. Again, I'm half analytical and I'm half creative. And in that state of mind, those are the individuals that give me the most joy and I can give them the most leg up moving forward. Mm -hmm. When you think about the success stories that you have created for your clients, which one do you think of the most? Which one's your favorite? Um, one of my favorite ones, believe it or not, was in the medical field. So um, his name was, it was Dr. B. And, you know, I, I was kind of started off more so like their webmaster and then grew into more of a strategist. But pretty much what I was doing for myself at the time, I had an opportunity to do for him. So I started his podcast, you know, made him multiple different brands, made him uh, multiple different products, uh, made him even a storefront. So again, like it's a long-term strategy from a growth strategy mind state, but most doctors don't think like that. They just think about, okay, how much are we going to build the insurance company? And he had that aspect, you know, in, in the back pocket. And then I added on these other new services and these new items that allowed his business to grow and prosper. Mm -hmm. What is your focus going to be for the rest of 2023? So this year, because um, last year I didn't publish any books, uh, I've published eight books so far. Um, this year I decided to, okay, you know what, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to focus 100% on books. So in January, I had opportunity to publish um, 32 notebooks. And those notebooks are like self-guided notebooks to help you document what you're like putting the notes in and actually have a catalog to find those notes really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. The next couple of months, I'm going to be knocking out some journals. The next one's going to be a podcast journal to go hand in hand with my, my book journal that I released two years ago. And then last but not least, I'm going to go into d delivering a book on branding, a book on strategy and a book on podcasting. So this year is essentially hundred percent on books. I would love to hear a little bit more about the notebooks. What's, it sounds a little mean, but what's special about your notebooks? So, uh, well, if you look right behind me, like if anybody's watching the video, you can see all these color variables. These are all the versions of the notebook. So I decided to, okay, like most people, they think about a notebook as I'm going to write notes in it. And then the notebook gets filled up and then they cannot figure out how to find the notes. So the first thing I spent my time on was cataloging, like more so like a library. How does a library do it? And how do I summarize that into one notebook to allow you as the user to document what you're looking for, but you don't have to search for it. So in the beginning mm -hmm. of the book, there is an index and each one, the index and the spine goes down and it has like little boxes that you can fill in with color. And then those colors are associated to that particular keyword or that particular thing. So if I'm mm -hmm. saying real estate, all the pages that have the, the pink in it are all real estate. So I could easily find all my real estate content or I could easily find all my web design content without having to think twice about it. In addition to it, much like a ledger for accountants, where they're documenting particular things, there's also a ledger for all the pages. So all the pages are accounted for. So it easily you can go into your ledger and say, okay, I'm looking for real estate wholesale and go right to that page because it's listed in the front of the book. So ideally it gives the user opportunity to take action on their notes a lot faster because they're not really spending the time figuring out where their notes are. That sounds really cool, actually. That sounds really cool. When I have a notebook, in order to separate all the different, um, first of all, I have 20 different notebooks probably, and I, I tell myself that they're all going to have a different purpose, and then they don't. I end up just flip to a random page. Okay, this is going to be the section for this this topic, and then I can't find it. So that's a really, really, really cool concept. I like it. Appreciate it. What is your biggest challenge today? 
Well, my biggest challenge today, I think it, it's the challenge that all entrepreneurs have, right? It's time, right? It's trying to figure out what projects to work on, how much effort to put into it, how much of a budget to put to it, how many bodies to throw at it. And so for me, I'm making a conscious effort to stay in the state of mind of books because going into 2024, I have a strategy in place for that year. So I'm kind of, you know, staying focused on that topic at hand and making sure I deliver on the results that I want to get. And then I move on to the next thing. What's the focus going to be for 2024, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So 2024, it's kind of like what I said earlier, man. Like I'm a tech guy that's 50% analytical, 50% creative. And I've been in branding and growth strategy and design and development and podcasting for a long period of time. And I was like, and I'm interviewing all these founders. Why the hell did I not think about just starting my own software? So that's my next Mm -hmm. goal is to figure out a software platform that can do what I do at scale, which is essentially publication, right? So the the, the program is going to be a mix between podcasting and a mix between book publication. And how could I merge them both together seamlessly through automation? Very interesting. Very interesting. I've been thinking about getting into the software space myself, but I have no idea where to even start, what to even look at, what kind of software, what there is out there. What do you think is the biggest challenge that coaches are facing in 2023, if you consider yourself a coach? Yeah, I would think there's two different types of coaches, right? There's coaches that embrace technology and there's coaches that kind of want to do things the old school way and they kind of knock against technology. I would say Mm -hmm. with the dawn of AI and where AI is right now, if you're a coach and you're not taking heed to what's going on, you're not paying attention to how to leverage it. Prime example would be like ChatGBT that software essentially changes the dynamic of everything. So if you're not embracing that and then using that philosophy to integrate into what you're doing and how you're delivering products and services, you're missing opportunity. And a prime example of that is that last week I was in part of a a marketing group and we were talking about new things. And I was like, guys, check out this really cool thing. I had an opportunity to create 10,000 images, 10,000 prompts in two hours. And half that group was kind of like, I saw the fog. They couldn't comprehend how could you create 10,000 images and 10,000 prompts. And I'm like, once you understand how these systems work and you talk to it like you're talking to someone else, the information would come at least 80 to 90% close to the finished product. The only thing you have to do is tweak the last 10%. And now you have this abundance of content. Imagine reselling and repurposing that to your current clients. So what are your thoughts on more and more content creators using AI to create their content versus those who are trying to stick with the human touch? Yeah, I think a lot of times it's, I hate to say it, but to be facetious, I would say like my mom is a good example of this, right? She's 60 something years old and technology completely scares her. But at the same mm-hmm. time, technology keeps moving forward and she, she's landlocked where she is. So mm-hmm. she'll call me and ask me for something. I'm like, mom, go to Google. Like that's, that's five miles from you, like pull up a map. It's all, everything that you're looking for is in the palm of your hand in a cell phone, but she's so stuck in asking for information when information is readily available to her. And the people mm-hmm. that are stuck in that state of mind, eventually they're going to get phased out, right? They're, they're not going to get any yeah. business. People are going to be asking them, okay, look, I heard about this chat GBT thing. How does it work for me? And then their response is going to be, well, as, as a copywriter, this is how I would do it. I wouldn't use that pro- platform. I would do it this way. In reality, it's kind of like, well, you're going to burn yourself out considering that the market is going to shift to more automation. Mm-hmm. I see that. I could see that. So then even if you you aren't the biggest fan of AI, I think it's worth still at least trying to figure out and understanding it. So when the next thing comes out, you're not still playing catch up when when you're when it's time to go and learn AI and you can you can continue moving with with technology. You don't have to like it. You don't have to use it, but at least understand it. 
completely, completely. I mean, I totally agree with you because the example about the 10,000, the reason why I came up with that number 10,000 is because I jumped into the NFT space. So when you're releasing mm -hmm. an NFT, usually when you're doing a big release, it's 10,000. So like for the concept of me understanding that premise is the reason why I was like, well, if I'm doing that for NFTs, why can I not take that and put a, a journal or put a book or put a new product and put new tags and put new images and collaborate them into creating 10,000 images? It's the same exact philosophy as creating an NFT. Where do you see the NFT space going in the next couple of years? I think once we get to the point to where NFTs become passports, once NFT becomes tickets, once NFT becomes like security mechanisms for the government, I think that's when it's going to get a real hold to where, you know, your driver's license will be an NFT, right? Everything that you, that you do, your credit cards essentially be NFTs. So until it gets to that space, but I think that's where it's going. It's going to get to the point to where like people are stealing information left and right. Why not make it a little bit more secure by putting it on the blockchain? And then the blockchain gives you a little bit more secure. It's not perfect, but it's way more secure than walking around with, with an ID that or a credit card that can get stolen just like that. Absolutely. I guess my only thought when it comes to that is, you know, what happens if your phone dies and you can't pull up your NFT? Then what? Well, you need to board a plane. Well, the beautiful part about NFTs, they don't have to necessarily be, you could have dongles as well. Uh, you could actually have QR codes that could be scanned and then referenced. That is true. NFT. So mm -hmm. there's always an opportunity to, and again, I'm talking about multiple different technologies, right? I'm talking about a physical technology dongle. I'm talking about QR code that almost died and because of COVID came back and you bring those all together and you put them in NFT space and they all work seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Where do you predict that you might get stuck or slowed down within the next 12 months? Um, the next 12 months, I would, I would think, I, I mean, I hit hurdles every day, right? So I would think yeah. really when I get into software development, it's like more so what flavor to go into. Am I going to build it on AWS? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to integrate AI technology early on? Like, like, again, there's so many different elements, but I cannot build a platform. That's one thing that I've learned. You cannot build a platform with all the bells and whistles up front. You have to build something that's viable, something that solves a problem, and then get users to adapt and understand it, give you feedback, and then scale from there. Much like how Amazon, they sold books, and now they sell everything. Where are you going to start with next? Or which, I guess, which, which bells and whistles are you going to start with? Well, I think coming from the book standpoint, because like the like last two years, I've been focusing on growing my podcast and I've got my podcast systematically done. I got it to where it's ranked and everything. And then this year I'm focusing on books. So it's going to be literally the combination between those two. And for me, it starts with spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are not sexy. They're boring, but they hold a lot of data. And then you could import those spreadsheets and everything. So why not figure out a way to collaborate between like my podcast spreadsheets and my book development spreadsheets and put them into one world and make them work for each other. Mm -hmm. So spreadsheets are going to be kind of the focus then along with obviously the book. Yeah. But just to yeah. start off with. Well, I would say if you think about it, the prime example would be like everything is database driven and the most universal and free database would be a spreadsheet or using Google, Google Sheets, right? So that has to be the baseline because again, it's the easiest thing in, as far as integration goes universally. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have Google Sheets down or Google Excel down before yeah. you can move forward. You have to be able to input your own information, see where you're at, see where you're going. So it's, I feel like that's a pretty overlooked portion i think of business personally i'm really bad at, at keeping my spreadsheets up to date keeping everything dialed in if you were to double or triple your revenue what are some challenges you believe you might face or changes you might need to make both within yourself and within the business wow 
I would think things that I'll need to face and change um, is the, the finding the usability of new users, not necessarily users for my platform, but employees. And I look at employees that they're using our stuff as much as they're helping us build that stuff. And I'm a real big component of overseas. So uh, like, I, I, like right now I have staff 15 people, but ideally to get to the next level, I'm probably gonna have to staff probably 30 to 45 people to get to scale. Mm -hmm. In that growing pain, there's a lot of issues that come with that. Like, how am I going to be able to manage that quantity of people? How am I going to mm -hmm. be able to now manage them, make sure that they deliver and make sure they're getting paid? So all these different elements that come in with scaling a corporation or scaling a company, essentially, I'm going to hit growing pains in the next 12 months. Okay. What about within yourself? What are some changes that you think you might need to make? Um, for myself, I just think, just keep on educating myself. I think it's, 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 I'm a continuing learner. And the only reason why I am where I am right now is because not knowing it, but I used to hate education. I hated school. Like I couldn't stand it. And now I'm like an educator and like now I understand the value of it. So for me, it's more so plugging in and finding relative information, not jumping on the new bandwagon when it comes out, but what's relevant to my niche, what's relevant mm -hmm. to digital marketing, you know, so somebody could come out with a new real estate model tomorrow and I could be like, oh, but the reality <laughs> is, does it have anything to do with digital marketing? Yes or no. If it doesn't, then I'm going to pay attention to it, but it'll be more like, like the last thing I pay attention to. It's not going to be my primary right. Right. So just really honing in that focus and keeping your saying, saying in your lane. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Oh, oh trust me. I, I think every entrepreneur struggles with that. I think it's, you know, shiny object syndrome, but um, I completely agree with you. It's, it's a lot easier because I never liked school either. Um, so I ended up not going. I went and I started a business instead. I host this podcast now and I'm pretty happy with how things are going. But um, I think what definitely changes it is, you have a choice in what you want to learn about. If you started this business, then you have at least some kind of interest in it. So learning about it and learning all the different aspects is a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable than going to school and like, okay, let me, let me take this class on, I don't know, human biology. Yeah. yeah. Well, dictated classes, right? Classes that are dictated based upon the requirements for you to get a degree to graduate. And in reality, those, those classes may have nothing to do with what you're going to end up doing anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So as entrepreneurs, we have the freedom to really learn about what we actually want to learn about. And we're not being you know, forced to do it. It's because we want to do it. I think that yep. also changes the game a little. So I know that you, you, know, you help people with branding, with growth, digital marketing, with podcasting. What is the, when you onboard a new client, what is usually the number one problem that they have? I always start with, with a business model because I think a lot of people, they think they understand their business, but they don't understand business model. And that doesn't mean to be confused with like business strategy or business development. I mean, a business mm -hmm. model, in my case, I always say, okay, what's your value proposition? What's your unfair advantage? Who's your customer segments? You know, like what, how are you dialed in as far as your revenue versus your costs and expenses? So we're really going to have this deep dive conversation because in reality, these 12 different things that we're going to talk about. I guarantee one of them is going to be missing. And if one of them are missing, then that's a key element that you need to focus on to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. All right, let's cover your podcast. I would love to know what's the meaning behind the name Boss Uncaged. So because I'm a brand person, right? So my original company was called Cerebral, Cerebral 360, Cerebral Media. And as a brand guy, you know, thinking mind, whoa. But the reality is, is nobody can really spell Cerebral, like right off bat. Like they always phonetically try to sound <laughs> down, they jack it up. So I was like, what? 
Like, so why don't I go back to the basics? What's something that a fifth grader or a third grader can, can sound out? Well, boss, the four letter word that makes it extremely easy. And it kind of defines who I'm, I'm communicating with. And in addition to it, uncage is another easy soundable word that also tells like, what are we talking about? Like you're a boss becoming uncaged. So you're a boss that's scaling, you're a boss that's growing or you're leaving corporate America and you're starting to become an entrepreneur. In addition to it, the combination of the letters, I always say, if you can fit the name of your company within a phone number, Back in the 90s, early 2000s, you had to memorize phone numbers. That's before the dawn of like technology with cell phones where they are. So, and yeah. phone numbers were pretty easy to remember, right? So essentially you're looking for 10 digits, right? So I was like, okay, how do I do that? So I, I kind of put the words together and I came up with the combination. It was within a phone number. It's easy to remember. It's easily to dial in. It's easily, you know, searchable on Google and kind of going back to the Apple formula, like, well, Apple's A and, and boss is B, right? So it's going to be follow up as far as sequentially alphabetically order. It should be at the top. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. What kinds of topics do you like to cover on your podcast? So let's say if I'm interviewing you, I, I really want to get into like your, your psyche. So I do my due diligence to the point to where, you know, something may have happened to you as a kid, 15 years old, you may have broken your leg and that leg has led you to where you are right now. So I'm going to bring that up, but then I'm going to be able to tell your story a little bit deeper than just where you are in business. So that mm -hmm. story is going to lead to where you are today. How did you get there? Were your parents entrepreneurs or your, your parents weren't? Your uncle was. So your uncle was an entrepreneur. What did you learn from him? What are you taking from what you learned from your uncle? And do you have kids? What are you teaching your kids now? So again, I'm telling the story of an entrepreneur, but I'm telling it only original to your story. Again, and the only way for me to do that is to know who you are and to do my due diligence. Interesting. I'd love to see what you would be able to find out about me. My, my family and I, we were always very, very cautious about putting stuff on the internet. So I feel like, I feel like you might have some trouble. <laughs> but that's, that's where onboarding forms come in, right? So like, that's one of my requirements. Yeah. My show is like, okay, well, I'm asking you to kind of tell me whatever you want me to, to, to devolve on this episode, but at the same time, mm -hmm. give me all access to everything that you want me to talk about. And then as I'm doing my, like, I may go to your YouTube channel and I may see a TED talk from 10 years ago, and I may bring up a, a quote that you said 10 years ago in that YouTube talk. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. This is really cool. Um, what do you love the most about podcasting? I think podcasting is is so underrated. I think it, it's it's a buzzword, right? In today's society, every podcast, podcast. But I think people are jumping on the bandwagon, but they're not understanding like the real heart and soul of podcasting. And it's really networking. It gives you an opportunity to meet people like you or people in Australia, you know, UK, Africa. That on a regular day, you would not have an opportunity to even know who these people. Are. Yeah. We go to Spain tomorrow and I've interviewed people from Spain. I can go and get on a plane and go to Canada and I've interviewed people from Canada. So now you have this abundance of networking through this synergy of podcasting that gives you way more credibility to get off a plane and meet someone at the airport, shake their hand, know exactly who they are, and, and actually not only remember what you talked about, but you also have a kinship and a friendship as well. Mm -hmm. So you have you have people all around the world that you can you get to talk to that you can message that if you need something like hey listen I'm struggling with this right now I know that I helped you out with this what's going on how do I fix this I love it I love it that's that's pretty much why I love podcasting too. That said, I know that you you are a, like huge like systems guy you like to have everything figured out from every aspect I can already tell. What are some of the biggest challenges around growing your podcast? If you're willing to divulge. Yeah yeah so. I could break it down based upon seasons because right now we're on season five. 
So season one, I was more so scared about, okay, am I going to have enough people? Yes, I have my personal Rolodex, but nobody knew me as a podcaster. Was there, were they going to say yes or no, right? Because again, people, they may know you, but they don't know you as something. So because of that, they want to wait to see what you're going to do. Year mm -hmm. two, more so, okay, well, I have my Rolodex as Rolodex. I've proved that concept. And then year three, for me, was more so to your point, creating systems. Like I was talking about my onboarding form. In addition to doing my onboarding form, I started to really look at my numbers that year. And then the thing that I found that works the most for my podcast is something that I refer to as podcast recruiters. And I think if any podcast really dives into the, the, this, this formula, it makes perfect sense. Podcast recruiters are being recruited by people that have capital to look for top podcasts. So when most podcasters are looking for someone to interview, podcast recruiters are looking for you. So if you bridge the gap between the two, like I have a list of about maybe 25 podcast recruiters and half of them have carte blanche to where... I, they just give me whoever they want based upon my requirements. So I had an opportunity to interview millionaires and billionaires because of this formula without me having to dive and look for these people, these individuals, they mm -hmm. come to me. So then what about for season four? Let's say for season four, what was, what was the biggest challenge with that? And then what is the biggest challenge for season five? Yeah. So season, have, yeah. yeah so season four, I had it dialed in. So season four, okay. I started focusing more so on, because I knew that this year I wanted to step back from podcasting a little bit to focus more on publication. So what I did mm -hmm. was I started doing way more interviews. So like I had, had a gift and a curse, which turned into monetization, right? So I had an opportunity to interview five, six people a day, every day for a period of time. So my backlog of content kept growing. So it went from, okay, if you, if I interview you today, we're going to release it in three months. If I interview you today, we're going to mm -hmm. release it in six months to where now, if I interview you today, we're going to release it in 18 months. And that gave me opportunity oh, wow. a monetization schedule to say, okay, well, if you're going to be released 18 months, but you have a new product that you're releasing right now, and you want to talk to our viewers today, we could do a live, but our syndication is where the, the real downloads are coming in. So you will pay a premium to get that episode expedited. So that, mm -hmm. that, that became a problem and a solution in itself in season four. And in addition to that, it also gave me opportunity to where I have an entire year this year where I don't, I mean, I still do episodes. I got an episode later on today, but I'm not doing episode every day. Like I'm doing episodes as I want to, or as when they come in and I'm focusing on my publication, because again, I have 18 months of backlog. I have 150 episodes that are set, ready to go. So I could die tomorrow and still produce new episodes for the next year and a half. So yeah, with, with us too, we have pretty much the same thing going where it's, it takes us a good three to four months to get an episode out just because we're also in the process of launching a couple different shows. We've got a mm -hmm. couple right now, but we're trying to launch more based off of the different categories, just because we have so many people that we're interviewing per week. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to, have, you know, have different shows to launch them too. But yeah. All right. SA, thank you so much for coming on. If you had to give one piece of advice in one sentence to anybody who's listening right now, who's struggling with their podcast, with branding, with digital marketing, what would you, what would it be? I think it may sound cliche, but the, the, the real answer is it's 100% based upon your content and being effectively routine with that content. Even though you're mm -hmm. stepping on the gas and you're not seeing the results that you want, you have to keep putting your foot on the gas. Prime example, I would not be able to be creating the content of books this year if I didn't put my foot on the gas the past 18 months to build up a backlog of podcasts. Everything has a cause and effect. So mm -hmm. remember that there's a cause and effect. I mean, it happens today, but it may happen six months to 12 months down the road. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure was mine. Thank you for having me.
It was a pleasure. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.